Imagine that your 10-year-old daughter is missing. You have closely traced back every single step she took, but to no avail. You have posted pictures and descriptions of your daughter on Facebook and all over the entire neighborhood with the hopes that somebody will be able to identify her. You have recounted to the police everything you remember about her most recent whereabouts, but this was three weeks ago and your daughter is still missing. Then, on a particular Thursday afternoon, you receive a phone call from the police. They have found a body near the outskirts of the forest and asked that you identify it. With trembling hands and your forehead dripping in sweat, you snatch the car keys and speed over to the scene. Upon approaching the area enclosed by bright yellow tape, you recognize your daughter's glaring pink neon shirt. You walk closer to the body, desperately yearning for closure, but upon doing so, you immediately regret coming to the crime scene in the first place. There, right before your eyes, is your little girl, filthy, flogged, and lifeless. You step closer and gape at the deep gashes in her arms and chest. Hundreds of questions begin to ruminate in your mind. Why would anyone have the audacity to commit such a heinous crime? Who did it? And why was your daughter, out of all other people, the hopeless victim? You clench your fists as tears stream down your face. You want vengeance. Now, whoever did this, they are going to pay. Welcome to another episode of Abby's Avenue. Today, we will be exploring the ins and outs of capital punishment. Is it just or is it atrocious? Does it have inherent flaws or is it unbiased? Is it cost effective? Does the death penalty actually deter crime? These questions and many more will be analyzed from both a pro-death penalty perspective and anti-death penalty perspective. By the end of this episode, you will be able to, to develop your own stance on capital punishment based on the facts, statistics, and interviews provided. Proponents of the death penalty argue that any lesser punishment would undermine the value society places on protecting lives. After all, to abstain from sentencing your daughter's culprit to death would be to belittle her worth and value as a human. Thus, it follows that a just society requires the death penalty for the taking of a life. The concept of retribution has maintained that it is proper to take an eye for an eye and a life for a life. Following this argument, when someone commits homicide, the balance of justice is therefore essentially ruined. If this balance is not restored, then society succumbs to a rule of violence. Only the taking of the murderer's life restores the balance and allows society to show that murder is an intolerable crime which will be punished. According to Robert Macy, District Attorney of Oklahoma City, killers do not deserve even the fundamental necessities of life that most prisons offer including three meals a day, clean sheets, and social interaction. This suggests that life imprisonment without parole shouldn't even be considered, and that the only solution to a monstrous crime is death itself. Yet, 
If society truly placed value on protecting lives, then wouldn't we make more of an effort to protect all lives, regardless of previous convictions or offenses? Shouldn't the criminal justice system demonstrate an unconditional respect for life, even the life of a murderer or rapist? Society cannot teach that killing is wrong by killing. We cannot defend life by taking life. Death penalty opponents contend that this is contradictory and inconsistent. Rather than instigating the cycle of violence, society ought to promote the cycle of healing and personal growth. Teaching people to respond to violence with violence, according to the National Catholic Consultation, will only perpetuate the cycle of violence. And now we will listen to what Mr. Schmidt has to say in terms of whether someone deserves the death penalty or not. Um, if someone commits an atrocious crime, such as murder, does that person merit death? Why or why not? Well, but uh, uh, depends how you look at it, mm -hmm. right? If you're looking at it theologically, yes, they do. Um, but of course, the same thing applies to any any crime, right? So whether it be hatred, whether it be a sexual thing, whether it be idolatry, anything deserves death, okay? Mm -hmm. And so ultimately, in the eyes of God, we will be dead. So that's why the consequence of sin is death, right? Mm -hmm. From a social perspective, that's a lot more open. Um, that is essentially up to the government because they do have the authority to put people to death. Hence, wars are, if they're just wars, are acceptable. Government has the right to put citizens to death. The question is, is it a good idea? So do they merit it? Yes. But that's about as far as you can go with that particular bit. Okay. Another common question of capital punishment is whether it actually deters crime. Some proponents contend that by sentencing the most atrocious criminals to death, the society as a whole will feel threatened and refrain from committing offenses. After all, if murderers are sentenced to death and executed, potential murderers will think twice before killing for fear of losing their life. While this seems to be a logical conclusion, most statistical evidence supports the claim that the death penalty does not deter crime. According to the Death Penalty Information Center, states that have death penalty laws do not have lower crime rates or murder rates than states without such laws. In most years from 1990 to 2018, there actually appears to be a more positive association between murder rates in states and whether such states have death penalty laws. In other words, the percentage of murder rates in death penalty states is actually higher than the percentage of murder rates in non-death penalty states. In 1991, for instance, the death penalty states had a murder rate of 9.5, while the non-death penalty states had a murder rate of only 9.16. Likewise, in 1995, the death penalty states had a murder rate of 8.59, while the non-death penalty states had a murder rate of only 5.9. This intriguing pattern continues through the year 2018. Some opponents of the death penalty argue that this correlation could be explained by the all-or-nothing response of criminals. Once criminals are aware that they have committed a capital offense, they have nothing to lose by committing further murder offenses. For instance, if the death penalty is an unquestionable punishment for armed robbery, the robber can easily commit murders while attempting to flee with nothing to lose. 
Thus, it can be proposed that the death penalty does not deter crime. In fact, it may even only provoke the cycle of violence. Evidently, in some cases, being faced with execution stimulates the criminal to commit even further crimes, as they essentially have nothing to lose when facing the death penalty. In summary, while many claim that capital punishment deters atrocious crimes, statistical evidence proves that it may actually be detrimental. Here is Mr. Schmidt again on his opinion of whether capital punishment deters crime. Do you think that that capital punishment laws are effective in deterring crime? Why or why not? No, I I don't especially. Um, There's a certain degree of it, maybe. Um, You might perhaps have a thought where, like, oh, if I... If I murder these people, I'm going to kill myself. But I don't. I don't think that people who murder really think things through. Mm-hmm. First off, and um, and that also ignores the fact that for a lot of people, uh, death is not the worst possible scenario. You know, mm-hmm. uh, another one too. This is a great example to illustrate that fact. Capital punishment has never been that great of a deterrent because back in um, like medieval Renaissance England, uh, cut pursing, so coin purse theft was a capital crime. And there were coin purse thieves who worked the crowds of the hangings of the people who were being hung for being coin cut purses, right? So it's not a deterrent, at least not in any significant sense. Okay. Now let's take a look at another perspective of the death penalty from Mrs. Waugh. Do you think that capital punishment laws are effective in deterring crime? Why or why not? I do not think they are effective in deterring crime because we always have people who are very selfish and think about themselves and in the moment that they're committing a crime, they're not stopping to think, oh, I might get the death penalty if I do this. Mm -hmm. So while some states have the death penalty, I don't think it works as a deterrent. Furthermore, some individuals propose a claim against capital punishment that such a policy is discriminatory and targets the most vulnerable persons in our society. The death penalty was certainly not established solely for the purpose of ostracizing the indigent, the black community, children, and those with mental illness. However, racial and socioeconomic status often influences the way in which other people are treated and counseled. More specifically, Defendants in poverty can really only afford to work with appointed lawyers who may not even be able to provide adequate counsel. The American Civil Liberties Union also states that approximately 90% of those on death row could not afford to hire a lawyer when they were tried. This statistic confirms that common characteristics of death row defendants include poverty. And because they cannot afford the adequate legal representation at trial, they have a greater propensity of being sentenced to death. Black people are also at a higher risk of being victimized because of racial discrimination. According to the ACLU, more than half of the prisoners executed in the United States between 1930 and 1996 were black. Additionally, between 1930 and 1976, 455 men were executed for rape, of whom 405, or 90%, were black. Reverend Jesse L. Jackson could not have explained this phenomenon any better. He quotes, Who receives the death penalty has less to do with the violence of crime 
than with the color of the criminal's skin. The lack of objective, measurable standards ensures that the application of the death penalty will be discriminatory against racial, gender, and ethnic groups." End quote. On the other side of the token, capital punishment proponents argue that the death penalty is applied fairly and may be used. Because each crime is unique and individual, no one can expect the prosecutor to pursue every possible offense or punishment. Furthermore, there has been a greater percentage of executed whites than blacks in America since 1976. 55.8% of whites have been executed, compared to 34.1% of blacks. Thus, there is not a substantial amount of credible and statistical evidence that capital punishment is discriminatory against vulnerable racial or ethnic groups. It has been two weeks since you wept over your daughter's morbid corpse for the last time. You still cannot fathom that you'll never tuck her into bed again or paint pictures together, that you'll never send her off to college or help her select a wedding dress, that you'll never be able to carry her when she cannot walk herself. You are overflowing with bitterness and sorrow. It feels that the deliberate death of your daughter's killer is remotely the only way to obtain closure. But will the death penalty really fulfill that intolerable craving for vengeance? Will it actually deter potential crimes and emphasize the value society places on the sanctity of human life? Or does it prove to be ineffective and morally detrimental to society, not only in your specific situation, but in the world as a whole? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Abby's Avenue, and until next time.